so you're welcome to uh, go back there and take your youngsters to join um, Miss Jill. We're doing things a little bit differently today, as you might have noticed. We're, we're really approaching our exploration of God's Word, and we're kind of breaking it up a little bit today. If you glance at your bulletin, you'll see that we're doing a couple of, of, of different little, sort of reflections, if you will, on this idea of the faithfulness and love of God, and, and that God calls us to a radical existence. 1 John chapter 1, verse 10 says this, that he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. You know, I, I know most of us don't spend a lot of our time trying to discover the definitions of, of fancy theological terms. Some people are really into it and some people just aren't. But there's one theological term that we all need to know because it's perhaps the most important kind of concept in theology that we need to be able to grasp in order to truly understand the life that God has for us and the sacrifice that he made for us. And that term is called the incarnation. The actual definition of the incarnation is the embodiment of God in the person of Jesus Christ. When you hear the term the incarnation, the theological term, the incarnation, we're referring to God in the form of Jesus. That Jesus Christ in humanity and the embodiment of God. And this, this is actually a really powerful thing. Most of us are, are okay with the idea. We've, we've kind of come to grips with the fact that we believe Jesus was, was God. But if we've ever really took some time to think about it, if we ever really paused for a moment, we recognize that this is an incredible, radical thing. Verse 14 says that the Word became flesh. You know, the Greek term used for that, that word there, the actual word, is the, the uh, term logos. And, and for the Greeks and Jews, it meant very different things. The Greeks actually used that word logos to mean both the spoken word but also that word that was unspoken, that thing that was still in our mind, or reason, if you will, that thing that was still here. When you applied this term logos to the idea of the universe, it really meant this sort of um, governing body or rational principle that was in charge of all things. So when you applied this, this idea of reason and a Greek understanding to the universe, it really meant that rational governing principle that's in charge of all things is a very, a, a very Greek way of thinking. The Jewish people actually use it as a way to refer to God. And John here is actually doing both. He's saying the word, the logos, that which governs all things, both spoken and unspoken, the very word of God. And for the Jews, the Hebrews, it was God's very self, his very word, became flesh and dwelt among us. See, the incarnation was the inbreaking of God into humanity. A lot of times around Christmas when we talk about the baby Jesus and the incarnation, we imagine it as this sort of peaceful thing. 
that Jesus is lying in a manger and we're gathered within our, in our churches with candles and we're singing Christmas songs and Jesus came to bring peace and joy and goodwill, which is all true. But from a spiritual standpoint, the incarnation, Jesus coming into humanity as an infant, is a radical collision between heaven and earth. John actually paints it as a light piercing the darkness. This was not sort of a peaceful easing into humanity. This was sinless, flawless God entering into sinful creation and those worlds colliding. See, the incarnation is a radical collision. It's a collision between our sinfulness and God's redemption. Between the holiness, the, maj the majestic kind of wonder of God and our human sinfulness. See, the incarnation is a picture of God's extravagant love. That God would enter into humanity to become sin for us. 2 Corinthians 5 tells us that he who had no sin became sin for us. See, the incarnation, the word, the logos, made flesh, is a radical thing. It turns all of our paradigms upside down. The life of Jesus challenges us to think differently about the nature and character of God. The incarnation pushes us to understand that God broke into humanity and thus broke into our lives. And this morning we gather here to celebrate and worship the faithfulness of a God who broke into our very lives in a radical collision of heaven and earth. And this radical collision calls us to live lives as radicals. It calls us to see the world and the nature of God in a completely different way. And it pushes us to a call of life. As we continue our celebration of worship this morning, our celebration of the faithfulness of God, I want you to imagine that holy, majestic creator God broke into humanity to redeem you. That holy, sinful, sinless God broke into our sinful lives to give us life. The in incarnation was not a peaceful merging of worlds, but rather light piercing the darkness, holiness colliding with sinfulness, heaven colliding with earth, and a radical collision that calls for a radical change in the way that we see our God and the world around us. What we do when we stand to worship in a moment is not just worship a God that's far off in heaven, that sits on some holy throne that we lift our hands to and say, yea, God, you are so big. But we worship a God who stepped into our humanity, who crashed into our sin and redeems our life. That we worship a God who stepped into us because we could not go to him. That broke into our world and altered our lives. Let's stand together and continue to worship God this morning by lifting our hearts and our lives to him. <laughs>